Well, good morning. Um, as you can tell, I am not Pastor Mike. Um, I'm a nervous wreck up here, but I just need to know that. Um, but when you're called to be an elder, you are called to be able to preach and teach, and that's what I'm going to do this morning. Um, we, need, we do need to lift up Pastor Mike and his family. Um, car trouble is miserable, and I think we all know that. Um, so. so you may have noticed that Sam and I missed the last couple of weeks um, in conflict with what Kendrick Campbell would tell you, which he's not here this morning, so I can talk all about him if I want to. Uh, we were not church shopping or being hippies out finding ourselves. Uh, we were traveling the Midwest and making memories uh, together. Um, next slide, if you don't mind. So here are some pictures from our trip. Um, we had planned on tent camping when we made the initial plans, and then um, we got out there, and I was like, it's summertime in the Midwest. We can't camp because we will die out here. Um, so we changed plans and tent camped and had night sweats the first night in Stone State Park in Iowa, and then stayed the remainder of our nights in primitive and air-conditioned cabins and a couple of hotel rooms, which was fun. Um, we ate some tasty food. Listen, do what? And the car. Huh. So there's a bat story. You need to follow me on Instagram um, to read that story, but it was, it was a trip. Um, we ate some tasty food, listened to a couple of digital history books about Abe Lincoln and Ronald Reagan, um, played putt-putt, and those are Sam's ideas. Like, that was not me. Like, Sam's like, well, can we listen to, about Ronald Reagan? Because he was the greatest president. And I'm like, tear. Yes, we can. Um, <laughs> played putt-putt a couple of times, had that conversation that all dads need to have with their sons. That was enjoyable. Um, and stayed up late to discuss faith, family, and every boy's, little boy's favorite subject, Star Wars. Uh, one of the most enjoyable things we did sp was spending an entire day on a rented uh, Polaris Razor. That's us sitting in that bottom picture. Um, they're legal to ride on the streets in Custer, and I think they need to be legal in every state to ride on the streets because that was amazing. Uh, we got to see all sorts of stuff, take it off-road. Um, we got it really sideways a couple of times. It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, it was a fun time. The Lord kept us from harm, and hopefully we made memories that will last a lifetime. Um, to all the dads out there, I would encourage you to make some one-on-one -on -one time with your kiddos, um, particularly sons. Uh, you don't have to spend a week on a road trip with them, but if you can make time for a weekend getaway, just you and them, um, it'll open your eyes to how they experience life and how they view you as a man. Uh, we're supposed to be Christ to everyone we encounter, but particularly to our children. Um, Proverbs 22.6 says this, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Dads, it's our responsibility to train up a child in the way he or she should go. Not the school, not the government, but dads. Important note here, I don't know if there's any single moms with no dad in the house, but God bless you. You're serving two separate roles in your house, and only God can give you that strength. So please don't hear me saying that mom can't do this. The Bible just says that if dad's in the house, he needs to be the one doing it. I could preach an entire sermon on the importance of dads leading the household in a godly way and not leaving all the touchy-feely church stuff to mom, but uh, not today. Couldn't get a piece about that. Uh, but the reality is that God called men to lead our households and for our wives to support us. Somehow we've gotten that backwards in the last couple of generations. Uh, mom seems to rule the roost, and that's great, but it's not biblical. Um, and trust me, I don't always get that right in my house. Melissa will tell you that for sure, that sometimes she has to take the lead. But as a father, there's nothing more important than showing your children how to love and serve Christ and the importance of loving and serving Christ. And that should not be left up to mom, school teachers, or the pastor. That responsibility is up to daddy. If we can get our kids to put Christ first in their lives, the rest of the priorities will fall into place. Put Christ at the top, everything else goes. 
Anyway, I digress. Um, the time away reminded me and confirmed to me that Sam is a great kid. He is sensitive. He goes out of his way to encourage others. He has a unique personality that is not mine or his mother's, even though she likes to tell me that it's my personality that he has. Isn't that right, dear? Um, he is generous. He's funny. He's kind. He's very intuitive. He's quick-witted. He wants to do the right thing. He wants to make his mom and I happy. But most of all, he wants to do things that are pleasing to the Lord. Um, Sam and I had the opportunity to spend the first two years of his life together. Uh, I got to be a stay-at-home dad. That was a golden time. Um, toward the end of it, I was going a little bit crazy because he was so independent and I didn't really have to do that much for him. Uh, but he's nine now, so that's been a while. Um, but the trip this summer confirmed in my heart that God is going to use Sam for grandiose and wonderful things throughout his life. Um, if you want to see the pictures we took on our adventure, you can follow me on Instagram. It's cold2727. I tend toward Instagram over Facebook uh, just because Facebook gets way too negative, in my opinion. The sin of comparison just overwhelms. Um, so check out Instagram. I'm sure you guys saw that Facebook lost $119 billion with a B in a day, and Mark Zuckerberg lost $15 billion of his personal cash on that day. Yikes. Uh, I'm glad I've got my money invested in that exiled Nigerian prince. So, all right, if you would, please open your scripture to 2 Peter, <clears throat> sorry, 2 Peter 1. We'll be in the entire chapter. Um, the passage is all about maturing in your faith in Christ. It's somewhat nuanced in some places, and it's very direct in others. Um, it's one of my favorite passages in all of scripture. Um, in the church Melissa and I grew up in, we stood for the reading of God's Word. So if you don't mind, indulge me and stand as I read this passage. 2 Peter 1, verses 1 through 21. Simeon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. So he's speaking to believers. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and, and of, our Jesus, of Jesus our Lord. Verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Verse 10. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way there will be richly provided you an inheritance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. If I think it right, for as long as I am in his body, I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you by the way of reminder, since I know that putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. Verse 15, and I will make every effort so that after my departure you may be, able to, may be able at any time to recall these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we were, we were made known to you by the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice, voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am, in, I am well pleased." We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. 
verse 19. And we have prophetic word, we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. Finally, in verse 21, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. Let me read that again. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for allowing me this opportunity to share your word with this congregation. I pray that you would give me a clear mind to deliver the message, message you would have me um, have them here today. I ask you to remove the hindrances of my finite mind and speech and let your word be clearly presented in this place. Um, allow your word to work in a mighty way and turn our hearts toward you to allow you to make the impact you would desire to make today. Father God, you are holy, and we thank you for allowing us to approach your holy throne room today. We ask that you be with Pastor Mike and his family and allow them to come back to us safely. In Jesus' mighty and matchless name we pray, amen. You guys can be seated. So 21 verses is a lot. Um, If any of you were here last time I preached, you're probably thinking, sweet, we'll be out of here in eight minutes. Hopefully not this time. Um, I did hear that Jason went on to almost 1 p.m. last week, so I'll do my best to wrap up somewhere between 10 minutes and an hour today. Um, You'll no doubt notice that I'll be reading most of this today, um, but understand I'm not reading it because someone else wrote it. I'm reading it because I'm not a confident speaker, and if I don't constantly reference my notes, we'll go on for five minutes or three hours, and that's neither one of those is good. Um, As far as sermon prep, I use a book called The Shepherd's Notes, a website called SermonCentral.com, but mostly my trusty ESV Bible. Um, Next slide, Bree. Okay. Um, For those of you that take notes, here's my sermon outline for today. All right, so let's just jump right in. So let's talk about the book of 2 Peter. Peter wrote his second letter to counter the influence of heresy within the church as discussed in 2 Peter 2.1. False prophets, uh, let's see, 2 Peter 2, 1, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. So he's trying to overcome these false teachers uh, of the time. Uh, Benny Hinn or Joel Olstein, anybody? No? Okay. If you, if you like Joel Olstein, um, well, I'll pray for you. Um, Peter appealed to believers to seek spiritual growth and to battle false teachers who had moved upon their community, and he urged the readers to live holy lives in prep for Jesus' return. So even back then, he was saying, you got to get ready. Jesus is coming back. Um, it's a message of pastoral encouragement, support for the living Christ, Christ follower's life, and a prophetic warning against false doctrine, and concern for the proper preparation for the final day of judgment. It's a brief book. Um, it's more of a short sermon or essay instead of an actual letter. And there was urgency in the short sermon indicating there were problems that need to be addressed. Um, Problems were false teachers of the day and the lack of spiritually mature followers of Christ to call them out, which is what we'll focus on today. Okay, so room numeral two, um, background on Simon slash Simeon Peter. And guys, forgive me, this is going to be much more like a Bible study than a sermon. It's just, that's what I do. I lead Bible studies. I don't preach. So here we go. Um, So the author was identified as Simon Peter, per his claim in 1.1, and he asserts to be an eyewitness of the transfiguration. Uh, transfiguration refers to the change, change of form Jesus went through into a radiant glory and more, more beautiful state. Um, I told Melissa this the other night. I think I've kind of just went over that, just kind of skipped over Matthew 17, 1 through 8. Um, but it's quite a sight. I mean, the people that saw that, I mean, that's not something you don't just walk away and go, you walk away and you think, did I just see that? I mean, wow. Um, 
let's let's read that real fast. So Matthew 17, 1 through 8. Um, After six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John his brother and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. So they walk up this mountain, Jesus looks up, and suddenly he's with Elijah and Moses. And it doesn't say that Jesus said, this is Elijah and Moses. They just knew it. They put it in. I mean, maybe they asked him later. The scriptures don't tell us, but they just say he was standing there talking with Moses and Elijah. Um, And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, is it good that we are here? If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. How cool is that? I mean, I get chills every time I read over that. Um, It could have been a direct, I mean, the scriptures don't say Jesus said, Fellas, this is Moses and Elijah. It could have been direct revelation to them or something else, but the scriptures don't tell us. But that would have been quite a moment. All right, I digressed again. All right, so the writer's claim to be an apostle and his admission of friendship to Paul in 3, 15, and 16 clearly indicates that the writer intended to be identified as Peter. Um, 2 Peter 3, 15, And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do in other scriptures. I like that second verse there where he says, or Peter's throwing some shade at the haters, saying, calling them, calling them ignorant and unstable. It wasn't the 1960s that we began, began getting mouthy with people. It was the 80-60s. So that's, that was encouraging to me. Uh, Peter has been referred to as Simon or Simeon before his encounter with Christ, but Jesus renamed him Peter, which means, what does the word Peter mean? Rock. Very good. Um, he was the oldest and the leader of the original 12 disciples who Jesus, whom Jesus called. Even as the leader of the disciples, Peter had some serious shortcomings. And as someone who spent many years and still battle this today, reacting based on my feelings instead of measuring my actions and thoughts against what Christ would have me do, all, of all the apostles, I can identify best with Peter. Uh, he, but he frequently displayed unmatched loyalty to Jesus and also showed a great lack of faith, especially with the infamous denial scene described at the end of the book of Mark. Um, and we're going to go through a lot of scripture because that's what I do in Bible studies, not sermons. So uh, Mark fourteen sixty six, And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came, and seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, you were also with the Nazarene Jesus. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway, and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him, and began again to say to the bystanders, this man is one of them. But again he denied it. And a little while and a little while by the bystanders, again, one of the bystanders said to Peter, hold on, and my iPad is not working. Mm-hmm. Sorry, guys. Okay. Um, This man is one of them, but he's denied it again. And after a little while, one of the bystanders said to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But but he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. 
And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. Peter remembered how Jesus said to him, but before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. Um, However, after that failure, and all of us full of testosterone and big mouths can take heart from this, Peter was restored to a position of prominence by Jesus in John 21, 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Truly, 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 I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This said, this he said to show by what kind of death he was going to, he was to glorify God. And after saying this to him, follow me. Biblical scholars believe that Peter died as a martyr in Rome sometime in the late 60s AD. His legacy lived on long after his death still today. Um, subsequent generations of the church rely on the confession, witness, and ministry of Peter, the devoted but fallible follower of Christ. Okay, so that's Roman numeral two. Um, and trust me, I'm going to cut this off before I go for an hour and a half. Is everybody tracking with me? I mean, is, this, is this good stuff? Do you like this? No? Okay, good. All right, so Peter reminds his readers that God not only provides faith, but also provides everything they need for spiritual life and godly living. Uh, these gifts come from the knowledge of God. Verse 3 says, His divine power has granted it to us all things that pertain to life and godliness throughout the knowledge, through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. And in this chapter, he lays out four sources of spiritual power, spiritual development. God's calling and election, which we've talked about. Peter's witness to his readers, so first-hand witness and then telling his readers. Um, God's majestic glory and the prophetic message of Scripture. God's intended result of these provisions is that is that through these he has given us his very great and precious promises, and through them we may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world caused by human desires. In other words, think about these things, don't think about the world. God gives us a way out of our sinful nature. There, there are no dead ends with God. You can never go so far that God won't bring you back. If we have breath, we can grow closer to God and be reconciled to Christ. Um, this ties into moral, moral and spiritual development um, described in this passage in verses 8 through 10. He lists all the steps of the ladder of faith, which we'll talk about later, and then he adds, For if these qualities are yours and increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. That's quite a promise. If you do the things I'm telling you to do, you will never fall. We have to move from being babies in the Lord to becoming more mature. We can't just pray the prayer, tell others we prayed the prayer, and we're done. We have to live it out. Um, Jesus wants us to display a full turnaround of our lives. That's what repent means. It means turnaround. Um, the most debilitating sin of modern believers is the failure to grow in their maturity in Christ. It's kind of like when you're a kid and we tell you to br- and they, your parents tell you to brush your teeth, and they say, "Well, come here, let me see." And they scratch your tooth. Uh, That's what we did with Sam. Um, Sometimes teeth are clean. Sometimes they're not. But you've got to grow to a point that we can trust when he says, yes, I brushed my teeth. The teeth are brushed. Jesus isn't going to come and physically scrape our teeth, but he's going to convict our hearts and make us feel some guilt about not moving forward in our faith and stepping out when we feel him calling us to step out and do something. 
if we fail to respond for too long, um, that feeling of conviction can go away, and that's a dangerous place to be. And I've been there. That's, that's the reality. I have walked through this and committed a sin, and then just like, eh, that's fine. And a brother in Christ had to come alongside and go, um, that's, you're doing it wrong. If you can commit a sinful act and feel no conviction, you need to search your heart and make sure you've actually turned toward Christ. If you aren't, give it a trusted Christian friend, the pastor, a deacon, or elder here, um, and ask for help. And we'll ask God to help you move forward in your faith journey. Okay, number five, the rungs of the spiritual development ladder. In verses five through seven, Peter showed each quality that builds on the previous one. Um, so five through seven, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love. Um, so essentially, love is faith's finished product. You start with faith, you grow all the way until, until love. First um, John 4.16 explicitly says that God is love. Uh, therefore, Christians are to be like him, which is explained in 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. Okay. All right. So, man, that's number five. Huh. All right. We're going to get out of here. Um, okay. Let's go to, is it up there? Yeah. Number five. Uh, let's wrap up. How do we continue down the path of spiritual growth? Um, the answer is found in verses 12 through 21 of chapter 1. Peter begins this section by refreshing the memory of his readers. So, you ever forget? It happens to me, and people have to remind me. So, Jesus is, Peter's going to remind us again. Um, in verse 12, he says, Therefore, I intended always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. Peter saw value in bringing to mind the things that would cause them to develop the qualities he described and to grow spiritually. Um, at this point, Peter's convinced his death was imminent. He said that Jesus told him his death was imminent. Um, he spoke of his departure, and from his remarks in 14 and 15, he, it appears he intended for this letter to continue to be circulated well after he departed. Um, verses 14 and 15, Since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me, and I will make every effort so that after my departure you may be able to, at any time, recall these things. And Peter also elaborated on two more incentives for spiritual growth, God's glory and prophecy in Scripture. So God's glory. The recipients of Second Peter, the people he was talking to, had likely been mocked by those who didn't believe in Christ. We're pretty lucky in this country. We don't get mocked, like, overtly. Huh, you're a Christian. That's hilarious. We don't get mocked like that. But I have a feeling when the, when the Bible uses the word mocked, it's... It's supposed to bring up a thought and kind of a public ridicule of people. Um, so they had been mocked by those who didn't believe in Christ and passed on to the and Everyone else just kind of saw and heard about Christ just dying. He went up on a cross, died with the thieves, and it's like, he's gone. There's no power there. Um, but since Peter had been present for the transfiguration, he could testify that the, the glory of Jesus was something he could actually experience. Um, and then in prophecy of Scripture, the final incentive Peter provided was the prophetic message of the Scripture. Peter felt that the miracles Jesus had done made the scriptural picture of Jesus more secure and certain. So the handful of people that witnessed these miracles and stuff were going out and telling people, hey, this Jesus guy is real. This is the real deal. You need this. Um, he said that Scripture is reliable because it has divine rather than human origin. In verses 20 and 21, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but 
but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. It is clear that Peter is saying that prophecies did not originate from the prophets, but from God. And something we need, we need to remember, um, I remember we, one of the first Bible studies I, I kind of led here, there was a video, and they went around, and some of you guys may remember this, but they went around and they were just talking to you know, man-on-the-street interviews. Hey, do you believe in God? Of course I believe in God. Well, do you believe everything in the Bible is real? Well, of course not. I mean, how could you believe all those stories in the Bible were actually real? Okay, well, that's kind of part of the deal. If you claim Christ, then you have to believe everything that's in the Bible. I mean, there's some things he says are parables. Well, sure, parables are stories. But in essence, everything in the Bible is real and true. Um, so, anyway. All right, so let's wrap this up. Um, Jackson, you and the worship team can head back up here. Um, from his words, you can tell that Peter was convinced that his death was approaching. He reminded his readers about the qualities they should be developing in the course of their spiritual growth. Bringing to remembrance God's glory and the prophetic message of Scripture are powerful incentives. One clear theme that kept jumping out to me in all of this is the importance of keeping our eyes fixed upon Jesus. Um, Sam and I went on a bike ride before we went on vacation at Sac River. He'd recently upgraded to this really nice Cannondale mountain bike, nicer than bikes that his mom or I have, and he kind of got a little cocky and would kind of just outrun me and be looking back going, come on, Dad, let's go. So I said, well, we need to go out on a dirt trail because I'm a mountain biker and that's what I do and I've got to keep my son humble. So I don't know if you've ever ridden at Sac River, but it's very confusing. It's rocky. There's thorns. You've kind of got to know what you're doing. Um, before Sam came along, I would go out there after work and I would ride for hours, day after day. I know that place. It's not foreign to me. Uh, the trails aren't marked great, so you kind of have to have memory of where you've been. And sure enough, we found ourselves seven miles into a planned three-mile trip. And it was at that point that Sam began to freak out and break down. Uh, Dad, all the trails look the same. How do we know where we're at? How much longer are we going to be here? Do you know where we are? And I already knew that we were in the home stretch for getting out. And I stopped, and I looked at his sweaty, single-tear, frightened face. And I said, Sam, look at me. This is kind of like our Christian walk. Even though it seems like the trail in the woods and the world is winning, you keep your eyes on the Father. He won't lead us into more trouble than we can get out of, and I won't lead you into starvation and death. And he calmed down. Sure enough, about five minutes later, we were at the parking lot, at the car, safe and sound. Everything had been forgotten. He's happy. We're going to eat. But I think that kind of is an illustration of he had to be reminded. Just trust me. We're getting out of here. Well, if you're going through a struggle in life right now, you've got to rely on the Father. God, I mean, it says right in Scripture, He will not give us more than we can handle. And um, let's just agree to pursue personal spiritual maturity as a church and as individuals. Um, I'm going to pray, and if you need to come do the same, the altar's open. Um, if you need to talk to someone, I guess you can talk to me or Richard. We'll be up here. Um, all right, let's pray. Father God, thank, for, thank you for your faithfulness. I ask that you stir in our hearts the desire to grow closer to you every day. Help us to pursue, pursue you daily in every action and every thought. To not be comfortable in our current state, but to pursue greater knowledge and higher love of you every single day. Let us be known as a church that is striving to be closer to you and the shining light of Christ in this community. Father, we thank you for loving us before we loved you. God, again, we just ask that you would bring Pastor Mike back to us safely and that you would take the words of this inadequate speaker and let them turn into something in someone's heart that they needed to hear this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Stand and sing. Altar's open.